0: This is a podcast from the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law at UNSW. For more information, go to www.caldorcentre.unsw.edu.au. On the 14th and 15th of April 2016, the Caldor Centre was proud to co-sponsor a symposium at All Souls College, Oxford, to celebrate the scholarship of Professor Guy Goodwin-Gill. The symposium brought together leading international refugee law scholars and practitioners, The following podcast is a presentation by Marina Sharp from the University of Oxford's Faculty of Law. Um, So actually, um, sorry Violetta, I didn't tell you. I actually changed the title of my presentation um, (laughs) to this. (laughs) So uh, as Violetta mentioned, on Tuesday I defended my thesis, which uh, was about, can you see me? Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, on t- so on Tuesday I defended my thesis, which was about uh, the regional law of refugee protection in Africa. And unlike Professor Goodwin-Gill and Professor Costello, who was my internal examiner, um, most of you will probably not have the distinct pleasure slash pain of reading it. So I've decided to use this presentation to bring you some of the highlights. So please disregard the title. Uh, in the program, the new title is the very formal and fancy the four most interesting things about my thesis. Now, the fact that I can summarize the four most interesting things about my thesis in 15 minutes, having spent five years coming up with those four interesting things, is nothing short of demoralizing. (laughs) Um, So I'll start by way of introduction, by previewing the four things, and then I'll go on to address each in a fairly high-level way, befitting of this very illustrious audience. So thing one is the historical point. To summarize, um, the point is that the often cited motivation behind the 1969 OAU Refugee Convention, that it was adopted because of the inadequacies of the 1951 Convention in the African context, actually only arose late in the drafting process. The project to draft an African refugee instrument began simply because the 1951 Convention did not apply in Africa because of its dateline. Thing two, the systemic relationship point. Article 8.2 of the 1969 Convention says that it is, quote, the effective regional complement in Africa, end quote, of the 1951 Convention. The ordinary meaning of this language is not immediately clear. I argue that in practice, it means that the 1969 Convention extends the range of individuals who can qualify for refugee status, but the content of that status derives from the 1951 Convention. And here, Jane McAdam might be perking up because it might be sounding a little bit familiar. Um, Theme three is the norm conflict point. My thesis views the regional regime for refugee protection in Africa as comprising international and regional refugee law, and also international and regional human rights law. The simultaneous applicability of these bodies of law gives rise to a number of relationship issues. Relationships of conflict and also relationships of interpretation. In my thesis I parse through these relationships in accordance with the framework postulated by the ILC in its fragmentation report. Here, for thing three, I'll highlight for you the various relationships I analyze, but obviously I don't have time to do the analysis here. And Think four is the institutional point. My thesis lays bare the ineffectiveness of OAU, AU, and African Commission engagement with refugee protection and articulates uh, the refugee protection potential of the AU's new judicial institutions. So before, before I proceed going into the four points in a bit more depth, just one um, background point for those of you who may not be familiar with it. Um, I'm going to refer a lot to the Article 1-2 refugee definition. That is the regional refugee definition provided in the 1969 African Refugee Convention. And I'll just quickly read it. And I swear I know it by heart. I'm just a bit nervous, which is why I want to read it. Um, the term refugee shall also apply to every person who, owing, owing to external aggression, occupation, foreign domination, or events seriously disturbing public order in either part or the whole of his country of origin or nationality, is compelled to leave his place of habitual residence in order to seek refuge in another place outside his country of origin or nationality. So that's the regional definition. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Big one, the historical points. If you were to spend a year of your life, as I did, reading everything ever written about refugee law in Africa, you would read one thing over and over: that the impetus to create a regional refugee instrument in Africa arose as a result of the failure of the 1951 Convention to address the realities of displacement on the continent. I spent a week in the UNHCR archives in Geneva. And the materials I read there suggest that this commonly postulated view is incorrect. The process to draft the 1969 convention began in 1964. Between this time and the convention's ultimate adoption in 1969, five drafts were produced. The first three drafts, finalized in 1964, 1965, and 1966, each replicated the 1951 convention, though with less generous standards of treatment. It was not until the fourth draft convention that we begin to see something that resembles the convention we have today, an instrument mostly focused uh, mostly focused on extending the provisions of the 1951 convention to a broader class of individuals than those described by the Article 1A2 refugee definition. Why the shift? The hint is in the time at which the fourth draft convention was finalized, 1967. My archival and primary source research demonstrates that the project to draft an African refugee instrument began as a project to make international refugee law applicable in Africa rather than as a project to address refugee situations particular to Africa. With the adoption of the 1967 protocol this initial initial impetus became moot and the focus shifted to addressing causes of displacement in Africa that were not adequately addressed by the 1951 Convention refugee definition. To the extent that African realities were an issue from the outset, the concern was with subversion and the creation of a a regime that could protect freedom fighters without compromising interstate relations and not with the definitional definitional issue. So that's thing, thing one. Moving on to thing two, the systemic relationship point. Um, Article 8 of the 1969 Convention is titled Cooperation with the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, which is a fairly benign title for the critical provision that follows. Article 8.2 of the 1969 Convention provides The present convention shall be the effective regional complement in Africa of the 1951 Convention. When I started my research I was lulled into a a sense of complacency about Article 8.2 by the article's benign heading. But then I read a number of scholarly works stating that refugees recognized under the African regional definition do not receive any rights beyond non-refoulement. This bothered me and I was pretty sure that this view was wrong. And I was pretty sure that Article 8.2 had something to do with why it was wrong. So I looked carefully at Article 8.2, along with preambular paragraphs 9 and 10, in light of the Vienna Convention's Article 31 approach to treaty interpretation. I also considered non-discrimination law and Jane McAdams' argument about how the 1951 Convention is the rights blueprint for all people in need of international protection. And finally, I looked at domestic refugee legislation from some African countries, my examiners told me I need to look at more, so I will spend several weeks doing that. These four things, relevant provisions of the 1969 convention, non-discrimination law, the McAdam argument, and state practice, all point to the same conclusion. Refugees recognized only under Article 12 of the 1969 convention are entitled to the rights provided by the 1951 convention, Even though these rights neither appear in nor are they explicitly incorporated into the 1969 Convention itself. So back to Article 8.2. It seems that the language of effective regional complement really means this. The 1969 Convention incrementally expanded the range of individuals who could qualify for refugee status, but did not itself provide a status for those individuals. As the effective regional complement to the 1951 Convention, the 1969 Convention takes the content of the status provided for by the universal instrument and applies it to the broadened class of individuals who qualify for refugees, refugee status under Article 2 of the regional regime. This is why the OAU used to over and over call on its member states to ratify the 1951 Convention and or the 1967 Protocol, And preambular paragraph 10 of the 1969 convention does this too. Because the systemic relationship between the two treaties only functions in states' party to both instruments. So moving on to thing three, the norm conflict point. I mentioned earlier that my thesis treats the regional regime for refugee protection in Africa as comprising international and regional refugee law and international and regional human rights law. And that the simultaneous applicability of these several bodies of law to the same population give rise to a number of relationship issues. In my thesis, I use the tools of treaty interpretation to parse through each of these relationships of interpretation or of conflict. I obviously don't have time to do that here, but I will flag for you the relationships I identified and addressed. So first, I looked at the relationship between international refugee law and regional refugee law. So in other words, the relationship between the 51 and 69 conventions. Starting with relationships of interpretation, um, a big relationship of interpretation is obviously the one I just discussed about the, about the um, rights of Article I to refugees and the systemic relationship between the two treaties in that regard. Another more isolated relationship uh, issue uh, relates to the compelling reasons proviso. This proviso at Article 1C5 of the 1951 Convention mitigates the applicability of the cease circumstances cessation clause. This clause does not ex- appear in the 1969 Convention, so the question arises um, of whether refugees recognized only under Article 1-2 of the regional regime can avail themselves of the compelling reasons proviso. Um, I conclude that yes, they can, but I, I don't have time to explain why. And then I look at two relationships of conflict: uh, the relationship between the Article 26 freedom of movement provision under the 51 Convention and the Article 26 provision of the 1969 Convention that says refugees must be settled at a reasonable distance from the fr- from the frontier. I also look at the relationship between freedom of association, Article 15 of the 51 Convention, and the prohibition of subversive activities found at Article 3 of the 1969 Convention. The other body of relationships I look at is the relationship between regional regional human rights law and regional uh, refugee law. So the relationship between the African Charter on Human and People's Rights and the 1969 Convention. Within the category of relationships of interpretation, I look at asylum, so Article 12.3 of the African Charter, vis-a-vis Article 2 of the 1969 Convention, and also the right to return, Article 12.2 of the African Charter, um, analyzed against the voluntary repatriation provision, Article 5 of the 1969 Convention. And finally, relationships of conflict. I look at the political rights protected under the African Charter vis-a-vis the prohibition of subversive activities in the 1969 Convention. And again, freedom freedom of movement um, as under the African Charter versus the settlement at a reasonable distance from the frontier provision of the 1969 Convention. So moving on to the fourth and final point. This is the institutional point. My thesis lays bare the ineffectiveness of OAU, AU, and African Commission engagement with refugee protection. And it also articulates the refugee protection potential of the AU's new judicial institutions. Here I only have time to highlight the fact that the AU is set to create a new Continental Court, which will merge the African Court on Human and People's Rights with the African Court of Justice, which at this point actually only exists on paper, (laughs) <laughs> the merged court will have incredibly broad jurisdiction over all African human rights instruments, as well as, quote, any other legal instrument relating to human rights ratified by the state's parties concerned. So, if this new merged court is ever actually established, there will be a forum to adjudicate not just the rights of individual refugees, but also state responsibility for the creation of refugees and the breach of refugee protection obligations. So there you have it. Um, the four most interesting things about my thesis. Now you will never have to read it. <laughs> and I owe a huge thanks to one of the three people in the world who did read it, and the person with, without whom uh, it would not have been possible. The teacher of many things. <laughs>